Chapter Thirteen of Lives of Poor Boys Who Became Famous. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. Lives of Poor Boys Who Became Famous by Sarah Knowles Bolton. Sir Titus Salt. I spent a day with great interest in visiting the worsted mills and warehouses at Saltaire, just out from Bradford, England, which cover about ten acres. The history of the proprietor, Sir Titus Salt, reads like a romance. A poor boy, the son of a plain Yorkshire man. At nineteen, in a loose blouse, he was sorting and washing wool. A little later, a good salesman, a faithful Christian worker, and the superintendent of a Sunday school at thirty-three happening to be in liverpool he observed on the docks some huge pieces of dirty-looking alpaca wool they had long lain in the warehouses and becoming a nuisance to the owners were soon to be reshipped to peru young salt took away a handful of the wool in his handkerchief scoured and combed it and was amazed at its attractive appearance his father and friends advised him strongly to have nothing to do with the dirty stuff as he could sell it to no one and if he attempted to make cloth from it himself he ran a great risk of failure finally he said i am going into this alpaca affair right and left and i'll either make myself a man or a mouse returning to liverpool he bought the whole three hundred bales for a small sum and toiled diligently till proper machinery was made for the new material the result was a great success in three years over two million pounds of alpaca wool were imported and now four million pounds are brought to bradford alone employment was soon furnished to thousands laborers coming from all over great britain and germany ten years later mr salt was made mayor of bradford ten years after this a member of parliament and ten years later still a baronet by queen victoria a great change from the boy in his soiled coarse blouse but he deserved it all he was a remarkable man in many ways even when worth his millions and giving lavishly on every hand he would save blank leaves and scraps of paper for writing and lay them aside for future use he was an early riser always at the works before the engines were started it used to be said of him titus salt makes a thousand pounds before others are out of bed he was punctual to the minute, most exact and unostentatious. After he was knighted, it was no uncommon thing for him to take a poor woman and her baby in the carriage beside him, or a tired workman, or scatter hundreds of tracts in a village where he happened to be. Once a gypsy, not knowing who he was, asked him to buy a broom. To her astonishment, he bought all she was carrying. The best of his acts, one which he had thought out carefully, as he said, to do good to his fellow-men, was the building of Saltaire for his four thousand workmen. When asked once what he had been reading of late, he replied, Alpaca, if you had four or five thousand people to provide for every day, you would not have much time left for reading. Saltaire is a beautiful place on the banks of the river air, clean and restful. In the centre of the town stands the great six-story mill, well ventilated, lighted, and warmed, five hundred and forty-five feet long of light-colored stone costing over a half million dollars the four engines of eighteen hundred horsepower consume fifteen thousand tons of coal per year 
the weaving shed covering two acres holds twelve hundred looms which make eighteen miles of fabric per day the homes of the workpeople are an honor to the capitalist they are of light stone like the mill two stories high each containing parlor kitchen pantry and three bedrooms or more well ventilated and tasteful flower beds are in every front yard with a vegetable garden in the rear no broken carts or rubbish are to be seen not satisfied to make saltaire simply healthful by proper sanitary measures and beautiful for which napoleon the third made him one of the legion of honor mr salt provided school buildings at a cost of two hundred thousand dollars a congressional church costing eighty thousand dollars italian in style as are the other buildings a hospital for sick or injured and forty-five pretty almshouses like italian villas where the aged and infirm have a comfortable home each married man and his wife receive two dollars and fifty cents weekly and each single man or woman one dollar eighty seven cents for expenses once a year mr salt and his family used to take tea with the inmates which was a source of great delight believing that indoor washing is most pernicious and a fruitful source of disease especially to the young he built twenty-four baths at a cost of thirty five thousand dollars and public wash-houses these are supplied with three steam engines and six washing machines each person bringing clothes is provided with a rubbing and boiling tub into which steam and hot and cold water are conveyed by pipes the clothes are dried by hot air and can be washed dried mangled and folded in an hour in sweden i found the same dislike to having washing done in the homes and clothes are usually carried to the public wash-houses perhaps the most interesting of all mr salt's gifts to his workmen is the saltaire club and institute costing one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a handsome building with large reading-rooms supplied with daily papers and current literature a library lecture hall for eight hundred persons a school of art with models drawings and good teachers a billiard-room with four tables a room for scientific study each student having proper appliances for laboratory work a gymnasium and drill room nearly sixty feet square an armory for rifle practice and a smoking room though mr salt did not smoke the membership fee for all this study and recreation is only thirty-seven cents for each three months opposite the great mill is a dining hall where a plate of meat can be purchased for four cents a bowl of soup for two cents and a cup of tea or coffee for one cent if the men prefer to bring their own food it is cooked free of charge the manager has a fixed salary so that there is no temptation to scrimp the buyers still another gift was made to the workpeople a park of fourteen acres with croquet and archery grounds music pavilion places for boating and swimming and walks with beautiful flowers no saloon has ever been allowed in saltaire without the temptation of the beer-shops the boys have grown to intelligent manhood and the girls to virtuous womanhood sir titus salt's last gift to his workmen was a sunday-school building costing fifty thousand dollars where are held the model sunday-schools of the country say those who have attended the meetings no wonder at the death of this man forty thousand people came to his burial members of parliament clergymen workingmen's unions and ragged schools no wonder that statues have been erected to his memory 
and that thousands go every year to Saltaire to see what one capitalist has done for his laborers. No fear of strikes in his workshops, no socialism talked in the clean and pretty homes of the men, no squalid poverty, no depraving ignorance. That capital is feeling its responsibility in this matter of homes for laborers is one of the hopeful signs of the times. We shall come some time to believe with the late President Chadbourne. The rule now commonly acted upon is that business must be cared for, and men must care for themselves. The principle of action in the end must be that men must be cared for, and business must be subservient to this great work. If, as Spurgeon has well said, home is the grandest of all institutions, capital can do no better work than look to the homes of the laborer. It is not the mansion which the employer builds for himself, but the home which he builds for his employee, which will ensure a safe country for his children to dwell in. If discontent and poverty surround his palace, its foundations are weak. If intelligence has been disseminated, and comfort promoted by his unselfish thought for others, then he leaves a goodly heritage for his children. End of chapter 13 Recording by Pamela Krantz